Well, a couple of months ago, I was invited to a rather unusual graduation ceremony at a rather unusual school, as it turns out. Uh, the school's name is Siegel Alternative High School, and I had no idea that it even existed, but I'm delighted that it does. If you're not familiar with Siegel, it's really only about four or five miles from here, so it's not far. And it was created originally uh, for girls in high school who become pregnant and have a baby, but who also want to complete their education. So it's an alternative high school for kids like that, and then they expanded all of these other programs because they realized, okay, well, that's not the only kind of child who finds themselves in a certain situation that makes it difficult for them to stick with the semester schedules and all of that and still graduate. There are other kids, too, and so they created all these different kind of programs to help these students who want to get their high school diploma to get their high school diploma. It's awesome. And the reason that I went over there is because unbeknownst to me over the course of the last couple of years, but really this was the completion of the first year, one of our elders used his business, and I'm going to use the language of the day, okay, to say yes to the next generation by creating an apprenticeship program for any of the students over that school who wanted to engage in this year-long apprenticeship program. And if you did, then here's what happens for you. Not only will you, if you complete your education, get your diploma, but then if you also complete this apprenticeship program, you graduate from that with a certified skill, with a trade, and with a job from this guy's company. It's awesome. It was really cool. So I got the phone call, hey, will you come? It's going to be a surprise to this elder. He didn't know I was coming, and I had no idea what he was up to, which is really neat. And I went over there in January at like 10 o'clock in the morning, and I sat out freezing in the uh, courtyard there, and I watched this graduation ceremony from the apprenticeship program happen. And the most impressive part, for me at least, were the students themselves, because a lot of these students got up, there were like seven or eight of them, probably five of them, got up and read a statement To us, they wanted to speak about this program. And I'm just going to tell you, speaking in public, even for those of us who do it all the time, a little bit terrifying, you know? Like when you're 18, good grief. So they were motivated. And they wrote out their statements, you know? And person after person got up and they spoke about the hope that this program had instilled in their hearts and in their minds and in their lives in this one precious girl, the only girl in the program. It was like seven boys and one girl. And she's a single mom. She's like 18 years old. She talked about her own little girl. She got up and she read her statement. And as she did, she cried in a way that I have never seen a person cry before. Like there were more, there was more water coming out of her face than I've ever witnessed. Like she would blink her eyes and it wouldn't drip. It would run in streams off of her cheeks. It was fantastic. I went home at the end of the day and I told Beth all about this program. And I said, I got to tell you, and I explained the girl to her. And I said, I did not know that it was physically possible for that much water to come out of a human eye. It was amazing. What's coming out of her face? Hope, gratitude. It's really cool. Very, very cool. And I'll tell you what else it is, and it is because it continues. It is a great way for this guy to use his business, so think creatively if you're out there, to say yes to the next generation in the name of Jesus, and that's how he did it. It's obvious to everybody at this graduation ceremony that this is a Christian man, a Christian business, and for the sake of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is what we're going to be talking about today as we return once again to our study of the life of Jesus as Luke gives it to us in his gospel. We come to a kingdom parable. 
And so I want to tell you a couple of things about the kingdom before we jump into it. The kingdom of God, first of all, is much bigger. The vision of the kingdom is much bigger than just the vision of you and of me and of everyone else who has faith in Jesus going to heaven one day. It's bigger than that. And I don't mean to diminish that by using the word just, like that is a really massively important, eternally life-changing kind of a thing. But please don't think that's the whole of it, okay? It's not just us going to heaven one day, it's heaven coming to us one day too. That's why when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, he said, all right, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And guess what he included? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth. What? Yeah. How? As it is in heaven. So it's not just us going to heaven, it's heaven coming to us. It is, in its final form, the total transformation of this sin-stained, sorrow-filled, filthy, broken, chaotic, and hopeless planet into a perfect place, into a joy-filled place, into a pure and unbroken and ordered and hopeful place. So that's kind of a big deal. And whereas I do realize that, look, that vision is not going to be fully realized until the Lord returns and makes it so. What I want you to realize today, and this is the second thing you need to know about the kingdom of God, and it's, I think, the whole point of Jesus' parable for us today, it is that between that day that Jesus returns and today, right now, every authentic believer in Jesus is to bear the fruit of prayer to that end, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's teaching us how to pray and of action to that end, of action to that end. Now, you may do that with the next generation, or you may do it with other, some other group of people. I understand that. You may do it in a different way than other people do. Your fruit might be a little smaller or larger than other people, and therefore more or less visible. You might produce more fruit or less. I get all that. But you're to produce fruit. And if you don't, Jesus is going to say, well, that's a problem. But it's a fixable problem if you will humble yourself before the Lord and come to him in repentance and bring to him your heart, because that's the issue, and say, Lord, change its soil. Make the barren, and this is what he does all the way through the Bible, fruitful, make the dead come alive in me that I might bear fruit too. So we pick up our study today in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4, where Luke says this. He says, And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus' time out, in the first three verses that I didn't read, we see that Jesus is going around to all of these towns. So he's going from town to town and village to village and city to city. And what is he preaching about? The kingdom of God. That's his message. It's his favorite way of describing what he's up to, what he was up to by the power of the Spirit in his day and what he's up to by the power of the Spirit in our day. He's building his kingdom. So he's going from town to town to town to town to town with his kingdom message. And now he's gotten to the place where, hey, the towns are going to come to him. Okay? So when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, Jesus said to them in a parable about God's kingdom. That's his message. And he said this, and here we go. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some of his seed fell along the path, or in our context... It fell upon the road. And so then what happened to the seed? It's pretty predictable, isn't it? It was trampled underfoot. And here's why. Because people walk on a road. People run on a road. People ride their bikes on a road. People drive on a road. Seeds on a road. 
it gets trampled, but not only that. It's not only trampled, but then Jesus says, the birds of the air devoured the seed because it's just sitting out there on the road. And the roads in their days and the road in our day are lined with trees. And guess where the birds sit? They sit up on the tree. So you throw the seed out on the road, they're going to see the seed on the road, and they're thinking, snack. And now it's gone. We're looking for fruit. So what's the bottom line if the seed is sowed on a heart that's like a road? No fruit. So that's soil number one. Then Jesus says, soil number two, some of these seeds that the sower sowed fell on the rock. And what he means by that is on rocky soil. So on a rock covered over by a very thin layer of soil. And so what then happens with that seed? Well, it germinates, does it not? It begins to put out a little bit of root, does it not? And then those roots hit the stone that's, that's right underneath Those roots can't develop. Those roots can't dig down. Those roots can't get what the plant needs for the plant to survive, for the plant to do what? Because it's the key to bear fruit. And so what happens? Jesus says, well, as the seed that was cast upon this rocky soil germinated and grew up, it then also quickly withered away, and here's why. Because it had no moisture, and it had no moisture because it couldn't sink down the roots because there was that that rock just under the surface. And then Jesus tells us, Soil number three, that some of the seed fell among thorns, meaning it fell into soil that was already seeded with the seeds of thorns, other plants, other things. And and, and so then what happened? Well, Well, the seed of the kingdom, even though it germinated and began to grow, the thorns also grew and grew up with those plants and choked them out by stealing the water and stealing the sunlight and stealing the nutrients and all of these other things that that seed that the sower sowed needed to mature and to bear fruit, and so then no fruit there either. But then Jesus says, finally, some of the sower's seed fell into what? Into good soil. How do you know that it's good soil? There is an unfailing indicator. I've been saying it again and again and again. If it's good soil, it bears fruit. There's no problem with the seed of the sower. The seed is good seed. If it finds the right soil it will unfailingly result in a plant that produces great fruit. And that's exactly what happens here. Jesus says, all right, some of the sower's seed fell into good soil. Here's how you know. Here's what happens. So then the seed, Jesus tells us, grew and yielded a harvest of fruit. That's the idea. That was a hundredfold. Awesome. And then Luke says that as Jesus said these things to the crowd, he called out, and the idea here is he called this out again and again. He said, let me tell you about the road, and then he says this. Get the idea? Let me tell you about the rocky soil, and then he says this. Let me tell you about the thorny soil, that soil that's infused with all kinds of other seeds that compete with the seed of the sower and that choke them out. All right, and then he says this, and now he says this about the good soil, and here he says it again. Again and again, the Lord says, as he's moving through this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, which is kind of confusing because it's obvious here in a second that the disciples heard all of this that he said, and I mean, so did everybody else in the crowd. So it's not these ears of our head that he's talking about. He's talking about a deeper kind of hearing, a different kind of hearing, a different kind of seeing, as he'll now indicate, the kind that results in fruit, incidentally. 
So that after all that, when the disciples, who together with everyone else heard this with the ears of their heads, then came to Jesus and pulled him aside. The idea, I think, is privately. They asked him privately what this parable meant, and Jesus said to them, to you, as opposed to everyone else in the crowd who just heard this and went home going, I don't know, you know, interesting story, but to you as opposed to those folks, it has been given to know the secrets of the what? Because it's what we're talking about. It's what the parable is about, of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see. And hearing, they may not understand. And maybe you're thinking, can we just stop for a moment and just work this through for a second? Because, you know, Tom, like I got the parable, at least the substance of the story. I follow the storyline. So we have a sower. I'm not exactly sure who that is. I mean, I have some thoughts, but I'm not positive. So we've got that. Then we have seed. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I know because you've told me that it's good seed. It never fails if it finds good soil. Then we have four kinds of soils. I think I know what that is because you've kind of indicated it, but I'm not entirely positive, so it'd be nice if you'd clear that up. And there's one of them, and it's good soil, and we know that because the good seed fell in the good soil and it did what it unfailingly does. But then we've got Jesus talking about people who see but they don't see and who hear but not really. And yeah, so can you just explain this? And what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to let the Lord do that because he begins his explanation in verse 11. And I want you to notice that he gives it not just to the disciples. He gives it to you. Now, the Word of God endures forever. And why is that exactly? I mean, Ryan's saying that just before I came up. Because it is his inspired, infallible Word. He has put this explanation in for the benefit of the rest of us, not just for his disciples, And there is a recognition by Christ and by the Scriptures, and maybe today by us, that there is a hearing with our ears that never makes it into our hearts. There is a seeing with our eyes that never transforms or changes anything in here. And so we can see and we can hear and not be transformed and not be different and never bear fruit. And Jesus, standing there in that moment, recognized the hearts of the crowd. And he said, you know, to them I speak in parables. They're going to see, but it's not going to matter. They're going to hear, but it's not going to change in here and therefore then out here. But to you, my disciples, and then through you, my disciples, I'm going to provide an explanation. So we have his explanation then. Jesus says this, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God, but the Word of God about what? Because we've cleared that up, haven't we? It's the Word of God about the kingdom of God, and the sower then therefore is Jesus and or the Father who is God. So the sower is God, and the seed is the Word of God about the kingdom of God, and now he explains all the soils. He says, now the ones along the path or along the road are those who have heard this message of the kingdom of God, but then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their what? Hearts. So then what are the soils? Different kinds of hearts. He comes and he steals away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved because when the word of God about the kingdom of God fell upon the soils of their hearts, it was like throwing it out on a federal highway. I mean, don't even use the word soil. It's still, it's soil, but there's none there. It's hard. It gets trampled. The birds get a snack. And it's even predictable. That's what happens. 
So he says the ones along the path or along the road are those who have heard the message of the kingdom of God, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And, and then he says, and well, as for the ones on the rock, meaning on that rocky soil, that rock covered by that thin layer of soil, well, who are they? He says they are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they, they have no root because underneath that thin layer of soil, there is an impenetrable rock. The roots of the word of God's kingdom can't get through it, it seems, with these guys. And so they believe for a while, and then in a time of testing, when the confusing things come, when the difficult things come, when the painful things come, when the hurtful things come, when persecution for the sake of Jesus comes, okay, well, then they fall away, he says. And then he says, as for the seed that fell among the thorns, soil number three, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the, what, cares and riches and pleasures of this life. I don't think that's an exhaustive list. Like, I think there can be other things in life that can do the exact same thing, but I do find it curious that those are the ones he identifies. Jesus is so perfectly intentional With everything that he says, they're choked by the cares and they're choked by the riches and they're choked by the pleasures of this life. And because they've cultivated those kinds of seeds into the soil of their hearts alongside the seeds of God's kingdom, then the seeds of God's kingdom are choked out. No fruit. Soil one, no fruit. Soil two, no fruit. Soil three, no fruit. But then he goes on. And he says, and as for that seed that is sown in the good soil, they are those who, what? Hearing the word, hear it not just with their ears, but deep down in their souls. They see it not just with their eyes, but it penetrates deeply into their being. Hearing the word, they hold it fast in the deep and rich soil of an honest and of a good heart. And then what happens? Because again, the seed is never the issue. When it finds good soil, it always does the same thing. What happens is they bear the fruit of the kingdom of God with patience. And again, what is that fruit? Well, it is the, it is the fruit of salvation and eternal life for sure. It's of us going to heaven someday when we die, but then, too, it's bigger than that. It's about heaven coming to us. It's about the total transformation of this sin-stained, sorrow-filled, filthy, broken, chaotic and hopeless place into a joy-filled place, a pure and unbroken place, a hope-filled place. And whereas, again, I, I recognize that, look, that doesn't happen completely. It's not fully realized until the Lord returns and makes it so. I, I hope that you realize that between that day and today, man, you are to bear the fruit of prayer to that end, And like this friend that I was telling you about, the fruit of action to that end. Glimpses of heaven breaking into earth, speaking of the reality of the invisible through the visible in and through you. And it may be you do that in a different way with a different group of people, different size fruit, therefore more visible or less. And you might produce more than this elder friend, or or maybe you'll produce less. Okay, but, but you will produce fruit. And if not, no fruit, that's an issue. 
But it's a curable issue. If in humility and repentance you sincerely bring the soil of your heart to the Lord and say, God, make the dead living. Make that which is impenetrable soft. Take that which is barren and make it come alive. Take that which is clouded with all this other stuff and weed it out that I might for your glory and for the furtherance of your kingdom also be one who bears fruit. And so here's what I want to do. I want to just work through the categories with you for a minute. And I want you to think about your heart in light of the categories that Jesus has given to us. So think about the soil of your heart. How is the soil of your heart? Is the soil of your heart, okay, like the road, all right? The seed of the word of God's kingdom, likely to get trampled, likely to get taken away. And if it is, why? So I thought about that this week. I'm thinking, all right, why is this? You know, and I'm thinking about the image of the road, and I'm thinking about the image of the way and of the path and all of these different images. And I'm realizing to myself, you know, they're used variously in the Bible. So Jesus here uses this idea of a way or an image or of, of a road or of a path to speak of our hearts and of how not receptive in this particular case they are to the seed of the word of God's kingdom. But when you look at how the Bible uses this idea of a way or of a path or of a road elsewhere, it's almost always of our way of life. So the Lord comes to us and says, Behold, I hold before you the way of life and the way of death, the way of blessing and the way of cursing. You know, there is this way of obedience and wisdom, if you will, and then there is this way of foolishness. He's constantly coming to us with different paths, if you will. There's the way of the world, and then, and then there's my way. And then as I continued to process that, I thought, well... All right, if not biblically, then I think at least practically those two things are connected. And what I mean by that is this. I think oftentimes the reason that our hearts are like Federal Highway when it comes to the seeds of the kingdom is because we're on kind of our own path. And we don't want Jesus to mess that up. We've worked hard on this path. In fact, we've been working for years on this path. we got a lot invested in this path. We have arranged our whole life and the lives of everyone around us that we can manipulate into this around our ability to travel down our particular chosen path in life. And we understand intuitively and rightly that if Jesus gets involved here, if these seeds actually find good soil and they throw down deep roots, they're going to transform our hearts, our lives our family, our business, and the path? (sighs) I mean, my path's going to get all messed up. So my heart is hard. It's like a road. But I want you to think about roads for a second. I'm going to give you two observations about roads. And you know these things, but just play them out in terms of these truths in your own heart and what road you're on. Every road has a destination. In other words, every road ends somewhere. Does it not? I mean, literally, that's true. You get on Broward Boulevard, you head west. It's like the Everglades, man. That's it. I've never actually gone that far west. I hope to never go that far west. I'm not going to lie. But if I did, I'm thinking Everglades, that's the way I imagine it. If I looked at it on MapQuest, I'm sure that's probably what I'd discover. Every road has an end. Every road ends somewhere. That's true, literally, and it's true in life too, isn't it? And here's the other thing, point number two, really revolutionary. The ending of every road? Yeah, it's not a surprise. It's almost entirely predictable every time. 
I mean, I meet with people all the time. I've asked this question hundreds of times, and I ask it intentionally. I'll say to somebody, what road are you on? And I'm not talking to them on the phone, and I'm waiting for them to show up, and they're late, and I'm like, hey, what road are you on? Because I'm trying to figure out if they're going to make the meet. That's not what I'm talking about. What road are you on in your marriage? What road are you on in your finances? What road are you on with your health? What road are you on in your relationship with your kids? What road are you on in terms of your relationship with the Lord? What road are you on? And then here's the killer question. How's it going to end? Where's it going to lead you? Because the deal is that it's not difficult to see. It's not difficult for me to see. It's not difficult for them to see. Now, it's difficult to say, but it's not hard to predict. And we cannot, any of us, usually be authentically surprised when that's where we end up. If you keep saying what you're saying and not saying what you ought to be saying, if you keep doing what you're doing and not doing what you ought to be doing, if you keep behaving the way you're behaving and not behaving the way you ought to be behaving, and if you keep living according to this wisdom and not according to this wisdom, hey, you know what? If you don't pull over, if you don't stop the car, if you don't take a right or a left, if you don't do a U-turn and go back, don't be shocked when this is where it ends. Every road has a destination, and the destinations are not difficult to predict. Now consider that in terms of what road you're on, and then consider that that's true for the kingdom of God too. It has a destination, this road, the road of Christ. And the Lord is not hiding that from us. He's going, hey, let me tell you how it's going to end. Eternal life and eternal glory. Oh, that's sweet. I like the sound of that. Think about that for a minute. I mean, it is true that if, if we, we let the seeds of the kingdom of God find good soil in our hearts, they're going to germinate, they're going to transform us, and we're going to come off the road we're on, and we're going to get onto the road of Jesus, that's true. And the road of Jesus, incidentally, will at times involve sacrifice. It will in times involve sufferings. It's going to interrupt our road. It's going to introduce things that maybe we wouldn't have experienced. All true. But consider, first of all, that when the Lord transforms your heart, really transforms your heart, guess which road becomes sweeter to you? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the what? The desires of your heart. What does that mean? It means make the Lord your delight, and He will implant His desires in you. And suddenly, as you delight yourself in Christ, as you abandon your plans and roads and paths and just turn it all over to Him... You'll have a new desire, and the path you were on will feel empty, and the path that he puts you on will feel full. It may be a difficult path, but it's a path in which you know, and not just intellectually, but experientially, you come to know joy, and you come to know meaning, and you come to know significance, and you you come to know fulfillment and satisfaction, and these things that are found only on the road of Christ. And again, where does this road end as opposed to any other road? Eternal life and eternal glory. So what road are you on? And how will it end? So is the soil of your heart like a road, or is it like the rocky soil? So there's something very hard just beneath that thin layer of soil that it seems like the roots of the good seed of the good kingdom of the Lord can't penetrate. And if that's the case, then why is that? It's interesting that the Lord speaks of this in terms of testing. 
trials, difficulties, confusing things, persecution for him, and all those kinds of things. And so then, clearly, Jesus is teaching us that those kinds of things can reveal a hard, rocky heart. But as I thought about that further, I thought, you know, sometimes I think those kinds of things can also produce a hard and rocky heart. Do you understand what I mean by that? So these things come unexpectedly and uninvited into our lives oftentimes, unwanted for sure. And instead of receiving them from the hand of the Lord as something that somehow in His mysterious will, and even if it's in the next life, it's going to be good and something that I can rejoice over, I receive it in bitterness. I receive it in anger. I receive it in confusion. I receive it in resentment. And my heart grows heart hard, rather, to the Lord. And the irony of this is, what do you most need in the times of testing? You most need faith, do you not? And where does faith come from? From the very thing you're resisting. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of Christ, the kingdom, incidentally, Word of Christ. It's an eternal vision that extends way beyond our, what, 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 years? We're resisting the very cure, that which we need by which to endure. So then how is the soil of your heart? Like a road? Like the rocky soil? Or is it like the soil seeded with weeds and thorns, cares and riches and pleasures that you've sown into the soil of your heart alongside that of the seed of God's kingdom? And what are they doing? Because this too is predictable, is it not? They're choking it out. I'm so overwhelmed with this. I'm so consumed with this. I'm so involved with this. I'm so... I cannot bear fruit. The plant will not mature to the point where it will produce fruit. Why did that elder say yes to the next generation by using his business to create this program that caused hope to pour out of this girl's eyes in ways that were alarming almost and wonderful? The answer to that is simple. It's because the word of the kingdom of God found good soil in his heart. And then guess what it did? Because it always does this, always, unfailingly. The seed's never the issue. When it finds good soil, it throws down its roots. It begins to grow and transform, you see? And it grew and it transformed his heart and it transformed his life. It has transformed his family. It has transformed his business. And as a byproduct of all of these things, fruit like that girl has just started popping out on the tree that is this particular man. So that's why he said yes to the next generation, which again is not the only way to bear kingdom fruit. But it is a wonderful way to bear kingdom fruit. If you want to change the world, how do you do that? You do that by investing in the next generation, by changing kids one at a time. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get off the stage, and um, as I'm going down, our KidQuest team is going to come on up, and they're going to give you a little taste of what your kids get, at least if you drop them off over on the other side of the street. They're going to give you a little drama time, storytelling about a woman named Ruth, so that you can actually experience a tad of what they get over there, and then in a different way, what they get back here with the younger kids as well. And then they're going to give you a menu of options from which, if the Spirit leads you to, you can choose 
so that you too can find a simple way to serve here that next generation and to say yes to them. Okay? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way, of God, that you have preserved not just this parable about the kingdom, Lord, but the explanation of it. Thank you for the explanation of it. Grant that we might have ears to hear it, really, and eyes to see your kingdom and then everything else in light of it. Let us evaluate all the other roads of life in in light of the road that is truly the road of life. Let us see what is truly beautiful and be captured by it. God, let us bring to you the soil of our heart in whatever condition it may be found and compel us by your Spirit to be real with you about it. Lord, change our hearts that we might bring you glory, that we might bear you fruit, that we might know your salvation, eternal life, Lord, that we might participate in your program of breaking into earth with the things of heaven. Lord, that we might enjoy eternal life and glory with our King. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.